I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Enjoy. Hello there. How are you all? I hope you've had a lovely week. Before we dive into the details of this week's episode, I need to ask you a favour. If you have a spare moment, can you pop on to your podcast platform, click rate, review or subscribe, whichever it allows you to do. I would love if you could take a moment if you're sitting on the train, if you're having a cup of coffee or whatever you're doing, just to share a review. I love to hear how the podcast has impacted you or if it has been a good resource. So thank you for those of you who have and thank you to those of you who are going to do it, hopefully this week. So to chat about my guest this week, Kathleen. So she talks me through her two pregnancies and births. Kathleen chats about recovering from her cancer treatment. Um, the scary thoughts of the possibility of not being able to have children due to her cancer and due to her treatment. Thankfully, she went on to conceive her first little baby with no difficulty. Um, She was actually shocked herself that she did conceive so quickly. So she talks me through early pregnancy and then we move on to about the 30 week mark. She was diagnosed with preeclampsia. So she was admitted into hospital and her little baby was born within a matter of days because things changed quite quickly. So her baby was born via C-section at 30 weeks and she talks me through life, I suppose, with a preemie. So her baby stayed in the hospital for seven weeks before she got to take her first child home. So she talks a lot about that and then move on to her second pregnancy. Although it was another cesarean birth, it was a completely different experience. She was, it was a scheduled C-section. Again, she shares details of life as a mother second time round, but in a different situation. She got to bring her baby home from the hospital a matter of days later, whereas the first time around she went home empty-handed. Um, so I, this is a really good episode for those of you who have experienced what Kathleen has. And also just to mention and support the Irish Neonatal Alliance, which Kathleen said were a great support to her in those early days. So enjoy this week's episode. Thank you once again, Kathleen, and I will talk to you all next week. So Kathleen, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Um, excited, a bit nervous <laughs> to tell you all the stuff. I've just discovered uh, through Zoom and through looking through your back garden window that we live literally 30 seconds away from each other, which is pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. We could have, you know, pre-COVID done this in person, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> let's let's get straight into it. Tell me a little bit about yourself and then we'll yeah. talk about your births. Um, yeah, so I'm Australian, obviously, and... I'm a school teacher and we moved here in 2016. So my partner's from TIP um, and so we moved over 
and lived in Tip for a while with my in well we're not married but my in-laws and stayed down there and then I got a job up here in Newbridge and my partner got a job in Dublin so we moved up um that's kind of the backstory I suppose yeah we came to Ireland brought the Labrador with us and now we have two kids and a house so we moved up to Newbridge and stayed there for a year and then kind of scraped together some money and got the first home buyers grant bought a house and then I got pregnant so yeah and then it all just kind of steamrolled from there I suppose so tell um, me about discovering you were yeah. pregnant was it planned yeah so um it was but I had Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2015 so I had cancer treatment in Australia I had chemo for nine months um and so I not that I I don't think I've properly entertained the fact that I may not have children, but it was certainly something that was a very real possibility that it might not happen for us. Um, so, like, we were trying and it was planned, but I think it probably happened a lot quicker than we really expected. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I had a Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2015 um, just as we were planning to leave Australia. So I felt a lump on my neck and everyone was like, oh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Had a few tests, all negative. And then two weeks before we were meant to move to Tipperary, my mum was like, I really want you to just go and get it, you know, really get it checked. I was like, okay, like we'll go to someone else. And a friend of the family was or is an anaesthetist and she sent me to her, you know, her friend. And he was like, so you have cancer? And we were like, right. So yeah, kind of put a spanner in the works of moving to Ireland, obviously. Um, so we, I stayed at home. With, we moved back in with my parents for a year and I was really lucky. Like treatment went really well. Um, so in Australia, I had the option of freezing my eggs during um, chemotherapy. So I went obviously to like a reproductive specialist and I was 28 at the time. So I sort of, you had to weigh up your options. Like do you delay the cancer treatment? and take the time to undergo IVF or do you wait and see, you know, see what happens. And so his sort of um, advice was, look, you're of an age where you still have a lot of time ahead of you to, to fall pregnant. Um, and so he said, look, I think, you know, you really should pursue the chemotherapy first and then we can discuss other options if you can't fall pregnant, you know, later down the line. So, yeah, then, um, so then I did fall pregnant quite quite easily um we, we hadn't been trying that long so it was you know very exciting and mm. yeah not unexpected but I guess you know it was always in the back of my mind that I might not after everything yeah, that yeah. had happened so yeah really exciting um so that was Alex that was the end of 2018 um and it was kind of an easy pregnancy to be honest until the very end like it was totally fine um a bit sick maybe in the beginning the only thing I got was um, I got carpal tunnel syndrome in my hands. And, yeah, as a teacher, I couldn't hold the whiteboard marker properly. So it was quite, like, difficult at work. Um, so tell me tell me a bit more about that. What What is that and, and what does it feel like? So, so for me, it was just my hands kind of swelled, I suppose, a bit more than they're supposed to. But it obviously hit a particular nerve and it was like this tingly feeling, but it was 24-7. Like, it didn't go away. Like, some people, I think, have tingling when they're pregnant um, and it sort of like dissipates during the day or something, but mine was there all the time. It was only for like, I suppose, the last four or five weeks. So it wasn't the whole pregnancy. Okay. Um, and so I ended up, I went to the physio and like she would massage it and gave me exercises to do, which certainly helped. But um, yeah, it was, I suppose it was more of an inconvenience as, to, as opposed to like a serious pain as such, mm. I, you know, and it was just my hands, not anywhere else, which was great. Um, and then, okay, I suppose, and then the story starts to go a little bit more downhill. Um, so I think all along, well, all along, like the baby had been tracking quite small and everyone kept saying, you know, have you got your dates right? And I was like, yeah, like I track everything. Like, I, of course, I know when I get my period. Um, and then we went up for a scan. I think it was 28 weeks. And they were like, oh, look, you know, Bob's a bit small. Let's do a growth scan. Come back next week. We'll do some proper measurements today, remeasure in a week and see where we are. And like, honestly, I was not worried in the slightest. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Nobody seemed too stressed. Um, I had been put into the high risk 
uh, like category at the Coom because I'd had cancer before. So I saw the same nurses and most of the same consultants each appointment, which was really good. So they knew, you know, they knew me. Um, went up at 29 weeks. And in the week leading up to that, I'd been really swollen. Like my hands had really swelled. My face was really puffy. And I'd had to go and buy new shoes. It was Easter school holidays. And I know I'd, like, I'd gone up and be like, what am I going to wear to work next week? Like I don't fit into my shoes. And I had to go and buy a new pair of shoes, a full size bigger. I suppose so with hindsight, like maybe there were a few little like flags and I rang the coon twice and they were like, go and get your blood pressure checked. But if it's fine, you know, swelling's pretty normal. Blood pressure was still fine. I went to the chemist twice. They were like, yeah, you're good to go. Um, so yeah, like, I really didn't think anything of it. And then we got in there and like my partner was with me at 29 weeks, walked into the clinic, you know, you pee in the cup, they take your blood pressure. And gave it back to the nurse and she's like, look, I need you just to sit down here for a minute. And I was like, yeah, no probs. So Kathleen, I need to tell you that you're probably not going to go home for the next seven or eight weeks. And I was like, what, what, sorry, what do you mean? Like, I feel fine. Like, I'm okay. You know, she's like, I'm just going to prep you for what the doctor's about to tell you, which is that there's, you know, there's protein in your urine, your blood pressure is really high and you're going to be on bed rest. And I was totally floored. Like I just had absolutely no inclination that something was that wrong. Um, yeah, so... So yeah, how, do, how, how does... How do you and how does your body react? This is probably... Well, it's the second time you've been delivered really scary yeah. news um, in your life. I think I, I think I was in shock at first. Like I went in, so this is the nurse that told me, the head nurse. And then I walked into the doctor who I had happened to see this consultant a few times. Okay. And, you know, she just said that she said the same thing. And I was kind of like, okay, like, you know, so what will I do? Like, am I, am I sick? Like, yeah. like go to, like, what will I do? And she's like, well, you know, a lot of people with your kind of blood pressure, we manage it with drugs and we'll kind of keep you here, obviously. Um, but, you know, you'll be medicated. It'll be fine. The baby is fine. Um, it was just that my blood pressure had, you know, shown this kind of increase. And I was, you know, like, I was actually, I suppose I was quite calm. I mean, like I was nervous, but I was okay. Yeah. Um, I remember I sort of said, oh, you know, can I just go home and get like my pillow and my pajamas? And like, I was like, I wasn't really thinking it's quite so serious. And they were like, no, like, this is no, like, you have to stay in the bed. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Like, this is, this is quite serious. Um, so that was the Thursday. Um, and sorry, that was 30 weeks. Sorry. So I was 30 weeks. That was the Thursday. And so they took me upstairs and I rang my boss and I was like, look, I'm fine. I feel okay. I'm going to bring my laptop in. I can still mark some essays. I can send in lessons. I was really like, this will be fine, right? Like, it's not a big deal. Um, I think I was more concerned that I'd have to sit in the hospital bed for like seven weeks. I just was like, yeah. oh, my God, this is just horrific. Um, so that day I was kind of okay. Then the next day, still kind of okay. In the weekend, I started to feel worse. Um so a friend, for example, had dropped in like some food from Avoca and like I was hungry and I was like, yeah, you know, this is okay. And then later that night, I just started to feel really ill and I rang the nurse and she came over and she's like, yeah, you don't look great. Um, and I said, oh, I've just got this kind of this pain in my like, not my chest, like in my throat almost. And she's like, oh, okay. So the doctor came over and she's like, well, maybe you have heartburn. And I was like, well, you know, I feel like it's a bit more serious than heartburn. Um, they gave me a glass of milk and said, you know, it's probably heartburn. You'll be fine. And then kind of held out all day, the Saturday and the Sunday. They kept upping the blood pressure meds, which I don't know. I suppose I didn't know any different. Like this was my first pregnancy. So I really had no mm. idea what to, what to expect. And then the Monday morning, the nurse who like managed the high-risk clinic came in and the look on her face, she just looked at me. She's like, Kathleen, have you looked in the mirror? And I said, well, not really. Like, you know, I'm sitting here on an eight bed delivery ward. Like, no, she's like, Kathleen, you are so swollen. She said, you, you're unrecognizable. Oh, and I was like, oh, right. Okay. Like, right. She, you know, that, that's bad. She's like, look, I'm going to take you down to high dependency um, and we're going to have to have a chat. And I was like, okay, like, right. You know, um, I was like, look, I'm just going to brush my teeth and, you know, go to the bathroom. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to put you in the wheelchair and I'm going to take you down to high dependency. You can do all of that there, but you have to leave the cubicle door open. And that's when I think it hit me. I was like, what the hell? Like, this is really serious. Um, and I rang my partner. He'd gone to work and I rang him. I was like, yeah, you need to be back 
now, you know, like it's it's bad. Um, yeah, so so that was the Monday. So but yeah, I went down to high dependency. Oh, like and they were so good, like everyone was just so lovely, you know. Um, I also have really, really bad veins, and it's really hard to cannulate me after the cancer treatment. So like it was it was just horrible, but you know, it was fine. Um and, I, and all these different doctors came in and, they were like, and, you know, there was this big discussion about, you know, will I make it a little bit further? Because obviously the baby's still really small at 30 weeks. Um, so I got the two doses of steroids for the baby's lungs, um, which they give routinely if they think a baby's going to be born early. Um, and, yeah, so my partner stayed at the hospital the Monday night and everything was kind of like my blood pressure was going up and I, and I didn't feel well, but I still properly hadn't considered that I'd have to give birth. Like I, I don't think I'd really thought about the fact that this was going to happen, you know? Was um, that com- was, so were, were those conversations happening around you? They were, yeah, they were. Oh, okay. and, and I suppose with hindsight, like, you know, they'd sent, for example, the lactation consultant to chat to me about hand expression before birth before they okay. even decided that I was going to give birth, um, the pediatrician had come down like from ICU to tell me that, you know, if you have a baby really early, what to expect, you know, which is they may not cry. Um, you might not get to hold them. They'll have to go into a ventilator, etc. But I still hadn't like, I really hadn't properly thought, of, thought about it. Um, and then I rang my mom and I think it all just kind of hit me inside crying and, um, and that's, I think, when I was like, this is like, I'm going to have a really small baby, you know? Um, yeah, so then the Tuesday woke up and my blood pressure had gone up, up, up all night. And they obviously keep, you know, upping the medication, but it just wasn't, it wasn't controlling it. So I think it was about 10 o'clock in the morning and one of the nurses came in and she's like, look, we have to call some people, but I think you need to be prepared that, that something might happen today. Okay. And I was like, okay, right. Like, Yeah okay, you know, and you, and you just, I mean, you just roll with it. Like, let's be honest, there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah, so then, and then it was kind of all systems go. Like um, a few different doctors came in and sort of said, you know, this is, this is going to happen today. We're going to schedule it, schedule it for today. So it wasn't like a crash section. It was, I suppose, technically scheduled. Um, so I think it was scheduled for like 1 or one thirty, And... And that was that. Like, you know, we didn't, we really didn't have time to, to properly process it or think about it or, feel or even worry, yeah. or yeah, yeah, like even worry about it. Like, like yeah. a lot of people say, oh, you know, how did you feel? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I felt much. Like, to be honest, yeah. you just, you just kind of, you're doing as you're told, you, you know, which sounds silly, but, but you are. Like, you're just like, okay, yep, yeah, I'm just going to do what has to be done. Um, so, I had to get a few for like a few different infusions um, because your blood pressure is so high. Like there's a risk of stroke once they do a cesarean. So I, I can't remember. They took quite a while. Like it was a couple of hours, maybe two hours or so of their, like whatever it was that you get given. Um, and then it was like, you know, we, we think we're ready for you. Like we have to take you to theatre. And it just all, yeah, it just kind of all happened. Um yeah so that was kind of the lead up to it anyway and then um I don't I don't even I don't even really remember being wheeled down to the theater like I don't I don't know I don't really remember that um I just remember being there like you know on the bed and they put the spinal in and the anesthetists I was terrified to be honest I just I like I hadn't even considered that I would have to have a section I had done no birth prep because you know, it was 30 weeks. Like I hadn't even, I had all my classes booked for like 32, 33 weeks. Um, no one I, I suppose, was that close to had had a section. My mom, you know, has four kids, didn't have a section. Like I just didn't have any experience, you know, of it. Um, I just remember like laying on the bed and there was these two anaesthetists and they were so lovely. And he said like at any moment, if you are just not okay with this, he's like, you tell me and I can, knock you out and I was like okay that's that's a good option right and I was like quite seriously considering it like in hindsight it's not something you want but I think at the time I was like okay so that's that's my plan b like I can do that if if needs be um 
And then it all just kind of happens. There was like, I think there's 22 people in the room. Wow. I remember just mm-hmm. counting all these people and thinking, this is this is crazy. Like there's so many people. Um, but like then it all kind of went you know, quite smoothly, to be honest. Like the spinal went in really easily. Um, then obviously like Shane, my partner, was allowed in. And then all of a sudden you have a baby. Like and it, and it really does feel like that. Um he cried as he came out, which I was told very much yeah. to not expect. Um, so that was like, I think I was, you know, you're holding your breath up until that point for them to say to you, like, the baby's okay, the baby's alive. Like, if yeah. you just, you don't know. Um, and there was this, like, yeah, like a proper, you know, a baby cry, like a proper cry. And that's when I kind of felt myself go, oh, it's like, this is okay, you know. Mm. Um. And then it's kind of all blurry, to be honest. So, like, they obviously you don't like. I didn't get to hold Alex at that time. Not neither of us did. Um, he, he sort of gets whisked off to to um, neonatal ICUs. So that all happened like fairly quickly. Um, he was one point four kilos, which was bigger than they had projected. But still, to me, I was like, that's tiny. Like, not you know, it's like a little bird. Um, and then, and then that's kind of it. You get wheeled back to, well, in my case, high dependency by myself because Shane went with the baby. So I was just weirdly alone in this in this room by yourself, mm. um, you know, waiting for everything to wear off, you know. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, you have a baby and it's just bizarre, I suppose. Um, Did you have bits and pieces yeah. for him? Did you have stuff? Uh, so I had in kind of this strange panic when they – talking about the baby being small I had like the week before gone and bought a car seat and a buggy um but we no it's in short we had nothing else like I hadn't bought a cot hadn't bought I bought bits and pieces of clothes but not any you know the nice mm. pretty stuff not the really like the logical stuff yeah um no nothing and then obviously it would have all been too big anyway so you know it was probably a good thing um I didn't even have like I didn't have maternity knickers. I had to like, I was doing yeah, Dunn's, for you. like yeah. seriously, like, yeah, like I was doing like Dunn's ordering online um, in like the coom, you know, and he was running up and collecting these orders that I had put in. I didn't have like a nightie. I didn't have, well, I had, like literally nothing, no bag patch, nothing. Um, but like, I suppose you just kind of, I think if it had been your second child, it would have been much more confronting, but we just yeah. didn't know any better. We just didn't know any better, you know, and that's a blessing, I think, in some ways. Um, yeah, so so he was born on the, you know, the Tuesday and of the afternoon. And I, like, like I suppose it was probably an hour or two, but I just remember saying to the nurse, like, I just have to go and see him. Like you have, I don't care how, but I have to get there. And she's like, Yep, yeah, okay, like we'll we'll do this, you know, and she wheeled over a wheelchair and you know, like you just had a section, like you're bleeding, like it's just the most horrible, you know, sort of thing. She's like, but you have to stand up. I was like, okay, like, yeah, this is, we can do this. Um, So I got into the wheelchair and then to get into neonatal ICU, you have to like sort of half scrub up and you have to wear like a plastic um, apron and all sorts of things. And so I got in there and like, I remember Shane was just standing there, like, and he was just looking in this ventilator and, there was just this tiny, tiny little baby in there, it, you know, like he was, he was so tiny. Like I just, like it was terrifying, you know. And I think, I think Shane felt this kind of sudden rush of I'm a parent, but I just was terrified. Like I just, I just didn't feel equipped to, I didn't know what I had to do, I suppose, you know, and um. Like, you know, the midwives were so nice and so good and, like, yeah, you, you get through it and it is and it is okay. But, I mean, we didn't hold him for five days. Um, so that was really hard. Mm. So, yeah, so I stayed with him for a few hours then and then um, went back to high dependency. I can't remember. I think I was in high dependency for two or three nights. Um, and then slowly, basically, your blood pressure starts to come down, you know. Um, so once you've given birth, your blood pressure in my case it was very slow it took a good few weeks but but it does just start to come down um yeah so I I suppose I was lucky in a way I was put on a ward there's only two of us on the ward that I was on okay. this you know great big room and the other mum had a baby in ICU as well so you know there were no other babies which you know 
felt kind of sad, but also was probably a good thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you feel? How did you feel physically apart from like um, it was preeclampsia, was it? Yeah. Yeah, preeclampsia. Yeah. So like I had a headache. I had a really, really bad headache. Um, I suppose for maybe the second or third day I was brought in, like put into hospital. Um and then afterwards, like, like honestly, you're just so tired and you're so overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even remember any of the, you know, did I still have the headache? I, I genuinely, I can't remember, you know. And, um, and then you've had a section as well, like, you know, exactly. you're in, yeah. you're in pain from that, like, you know, and, yeah, it, like it was hard. My blood pressure still kind of was sort of all over the shop, which apparently is is quite common. Um, so like I was on. I think it was two hourly checks. Um, so you're not sleeping either. Not that you mm. probably could sleep, but you're not sleeping either, um, which for me was really hard. Like it was just, yeah, really tough. Um, and then so when the babies are in ICU, they don't give formula. They give donated breast milk or, or your own breast milk, obviously. Um, so oh, like it's it's the one thing you can do. So you want to do it. Of course yeah. you want to do it. And I, and I had always planned to breastfeed. Um, you know, and read you know, little bits and pieces, but nothing, I hadn't done anything substantial, you know, hadn't done like a, a pre-birth course or anything like that. Um, so then you're basically just, here's the pump, off you go, best of luck, you know, and, oh, God, it was just so disheartening. Like I just, I pumped and pumped and pumped every, well, like the suggestion was three hours. I think I was doing it every two and a half hours, like, and which I now know is normal. Getting one mil of colostrum at a time is actually totally normal, but I didn't know that at the time, you know. And we were really fortunate, obviously, like the coom has donated milk, which is just, I mean, it's amazing. So he got breast milk donation for the first four weeks of his life. Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's really, it's amazing. Like it's just, mm. I can't like to think that other women do that out of the goodness of their heart is just it's it's phenomenal you know um and you're just so grateful that that people have done it like it, it's it's truly amazing um and then the rest of the time I basically sat on a breast pump for the next um, I don't know a few months I guess okay. um yeah so my breast milk took a long time to come in because I was on so many blood pressure medications mm-hmm. um and I'm like and there might be other stuff maybe it's you know from my pre like my health before that as well I you know I don't know um yeah so I was discharged after a week um I was really lucky my sister lives in Scotland so she came down to help um for I think four three or four days and then my mom arrived from Australia so we sort of had these reinforcements come through, which was, you know, you have to have it. Like you, you just yeah, can't essential. Do it yeah, alone. absolutely. Yeah, it's totally essential. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the midst of all that, we moved house. So, um, you know, everything was really organized and smooth in our lives. Um, but Alex was in um, the coom for seven weeks. So, like, it was a rough seven weeks. He was very slow to gain weight um, and kind of missed all the targets of, they, you know, must gain X amount per day, you know, whatever the grams is. And he was very, very slow to gain weight. And it took a long time for him to come off the ventilation. He just, his lungs were small and, you know, it, it was tough. Um, but he got there. So, you know, you kind of, you graduate out, like you go from, um, Niku to ICU to Skabu, like all these different sections of the baby hospital. Um, and yeah, and then eventually he he was out, you know, through lots of um well, mainly feeding, you know, you're there just to feed him essentially. And yes, he was in for seven weeks. Um, he came home on Father's Day, which was very nice. Um, so how did you navigate? Did you go up there? Oh yeah. 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 Tell me a bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose you just like, oh God, it's such a blur. Like it really is. Um, Yeah. So I came home after a week and then my mom had arrived that day, which was really great. So she could, because I can't, you can't drive after a section either. Yeah. Um, Now look, I probably, 
probably could have driven a bit earlier, but I didn't feel like I could either. Um, so, yeah, I went up every day. So I was pumping three hourly at that point. And so I would, you know, go up in the morning and and feed. At that point, he was still tube fed. He was tube fed for quite a while. Um, and then I would pump while I was up there. So there's pumping rooms in the coom um, for when you're there because you're trying to stick to your to your own schedule. And then you'd leave milk for him. And we, yeah, we just we just did that. So then obviously, like Shane went back to work, um, and he worked shift work. So it, it actually worked quite well. Um, so he would call in, say, in the morning on his way home at six a.m. and see Alex, and then I would go up probably by like nine o'clock, ten o'clock with my mum. And we, yeah, we'd sit there most of the day, you know, mm. um, just kind of also, I suppose, learning how to, I don't like not even be a parent, like how to handle a preemie baby as well. You mm. know, I was really nervous, um, like changing nappies and just little things. I was like, I just had no idea what to do. And I was really, really scared of, of all that. And so you sort of have to learn all of that and then, you know, like what do the various machines mean and what does that line mean? And, you know, I'm not medical at all. Like I'm an English teacher, like, you know, so it was sort of learning all of that as well. Um, So then in the midst of that, I was still getting blood pressure checks. So I had to go down every three days and get an hour long blood pressure check where they were checking it every 20 minutes. Um, So look, I mean, in a way, I suppose it was our first child. We had no one waiting at home, which was really good. And mm. um, my mum was here, so she drove me up and back. You know, it could have been. I can like, and I can see how it would be much, much harder if that wasn't, you know, the situation. Um, so we were really lucky in that in that sense, I suppose. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, yeah, just like it's yeah, it's still a bit of a blur, I suppose. Um, then when he came home then, on Father's Day, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> Father's Day, not Mother's Day, but anyway, um, <laughs> of it, was just, it was just like, no, like, um, yeah, it was just we sort of so they'd said to us the day before that, like, you know, he's looking really, really good, and do you feel comfortable, like, if if you know if he was able for it tomorrow would you be ready and we were like yeah I guess so like you've sort of been waiting for this day and then it just happens really quickly Mm. um I can't remember I think we came home that before and like cleaned the house and got a takeaway and we're like oh like 
this is the last time we'll get to do this without a baby. Um, and then, yeah, so we went up in the morning and he was discharged and it's kind of strange, I suppose, feeling you just kind of handed this baby and <laughs> like, that's it, you know, good luck. See you later. Yeah. Um, so Alex was still being, he was being breastfed, but still being given a top up of my breast milk after every breastfeed. Um, so yeah, that was kind of the next thing we had to tackle. Like, how would we do that? And he was on um, like a fortifier in the breast milk um, that they give to premature babies as well. So, you know, we had to order that and organise like, you know, little bottles and, and stuff that we just hadn't, I suppose, had to think about. And then he came home and it was just, I don't think we even like spoke to each other for the first three days. We just looked at him like, mm. this is amazing, you, you know. And and then I had the best public health nurse, I think, in like the history of Ireland. And she just, she just kept showing up, you know, like I think she came every day for the first four or five days. Like she was just phenomenal. Mm. Um, and it was all kind of going okay, but his weight was still tricky and it was still not, he just wasn't plumping up like a, like a newborn should, I suppose. So that was kind of messing with, you know, and I, I was still pumping, we were giving top-ups. It was just this merry-go-round of, of well, just feeding. That, that's all we did, really. Um, so, but he, but he was okay. Like, he, you know, he was good. He, he was kind of content enough um, and happy enough. And at first, I suppose, he was on this three-hourly, like, schedule from the coom, which was kind of nice. You know, he, he didn't know about cluster feeding because he'd never had an opportunity yeah. to do it. Um, he didn't know about any of those sort of normal, if you like, newborn things. And then I think after about the first, I don't know, maybe it was like eight or nine days, his weight started to drop off. And I think I knew and the, like the PHN was like, yeah, we have to think about what to do here. Like there is, he's just not putting on enough, just under what it really should be. Um, so I gave, like there was um, a particular formula and I gave him a few formula top-ups, but it still wasn't really like, coming up enough but I was just so adamant that I really wanted to breastfeed I just like I don't know it was just in my head that it was the one thing I had to do um so we kind of you know we kept pushing and kept pushing and you know his weight was kind of getting there and then finally I, I sort of realized that I had to go and see a lactation consultant like this was just crazy like I was not coping he was waking every like hour and a half for, for a feed um so then turns out he had a really really severe tongue tie which okay. we got sorted so he was four months by the time we got it sorted um well by the time we got it you know noticed I should say and like, it wasn't I suppose it wasn't instant relief but it it certainly like made a huge difference um yeah so I have no idea how nobody noticed but anyway nobody noticed prior to that point um so we got the tongue tie released and then it just kind of slowly started to get better, you know, um, really slowly, but it did. So I triple fed for eight months, just pumping after every second feed um, and then giving it back to him, you know, in a bottle, which, you know, I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but like we did it. Yeah, and it's it was, hard work. And yeah. it was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Like, and, and look, and he's flying. Like he's, he's three now. Um, I suppose we're really lucky he didn't come home, you know, on oxygen or any other sort of um, concerns. We've had a few little niggly things, like um, he's had to have his eyesight checked a few times and he's had a descended testicle and, you know, bits and pieces. Um, he has a speech delay, a very serious speech delay, so we have no words yet at three. Um, now, whether that's related to being prem, you know, I don't think we'll ever know. Um mm. But yeah, he's and he's he's really good. Like he's flying around. Um, he's still small. He's not the most robust child. Um, he's like a you know a skinny like little little three year old. Um, but yeah, like touch wood, we've been really lucky, I guess, as well. You know. Um, I just want to take a moment to introduce you to our new podcast sponsors, KiwiCo. So especially with Oliver, I found play 
actually quite challenging. I wasn't sure if the play that I was doing with him was developmentally what he needed. Um, I was actually quite anxious about it and I really needed someone to give me guidance um, and make me move away from researching things and um, kind of take that aspect out of it and create something for me to sit down and enjoy with him. So this is pretty much what KiwiCo do and they have created the Panda Crate. So the Panda Crate is basically a subscription service for Play Essentials designed just for babies and toddlers aged between 0 to 24 months. So it's created by play experts at KiwiCo in partnership with Seattle Children's Hospital. Panda Crate is thoughtfully designed with care to stimulate your baby's brain development through play. Panda Crate is a science-backed, research-based approach to play and recognises that there's more to babyhood than just the milestones. Panda Crate is designed to support child-led play and open-ended exploration because every child is different, every path is unique and each twist and turn and bump in this journey is an opportunity for connection, discovery and learning. Something that I loved about the, the Panda Crate was the gorgeous wooden toys and it was really well explained as well. So one of the crates that we got had loads of animals in it which was really nice because Eve in particular is crazy about animals so I found that she really connected and interacted with the the crate itself so it was brilliant how it works so panda crate is a subscription service timed to your child's particular age and stage with shipments every other month each crate includes two months worth of play products and activities along with helpful resources and play inspiration for parents too which in all honesty is what i have always needed and still do need to this day whether you are a first-time parent or not, Panda Crate provides a way to simplify the early years with just right products to support your baby's rapid development in the first two years of life. So something that definitely kind of takes the stress and anxiety out of thinking, am I creating the right play environment for my child, especially during those two years of lots of sleepless nights? Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping with code IREBIRTH at kiwico.com. That's 30% off your first month at kiwico.com with promo code IREBIRTH. Now, back to this week's episode. Do you think... uh, not having the time to like prepare your house and get all your bits together, get all his bits <clears> together, <throat> not getting to experience those two weeks where you ha- were yeah. off work. And when, do you think that had an impact on that connection in those first few days? Yeah. Like connecting, like realizing yeah. that your son was there. That Yeah, maybe. I, I like because you know very often like when you're getting ready you 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 sit there and you look at you're like you look at the baby girls that are going to be filled you know you look at all your yeah 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 I think I I I do sort of I do feel like I'm I suppose I missed quite a lot like even though you know and I know now that not a lot of people do that you don't do that much at the end of pregnancy but just the little things that you wanted to do I suppose I didn't you know I didn't get to do um and I think even just like leaving work so rushed really doesn't, it doesn't sit well with anybody, you, you know, mm. it's, it's awkward and uncomfortable. And um, yeah, I think so. I suppose we never really got a chance to sit down as a couple and say, oh, like, you know, this baby's coming. Like it was just, mm. this baby is coming today, <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah, I think so. I think the first few days as well, I was just, like I didn't know whether to be upset or excited. Like, like yeah. And, and some people would come in and say, "Oh, congratulations, you've had a baby," and you'd be like, "Oh, oh, thank you. That yeah, thank you. I'm really excited." And then the next nurse might come in and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hear the baby's nice to you," and you'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh oh yeah, that's right." Like, it, it's sort of really conflicting. Yeah, yeah, it's really conflicting. Um, I remember my brother was living in China at the time, and I remember he was so excited. Like, you know, it's the first like child on my side of the family. And he FaceTimed me. He's like, oh, my God, like, I'm an uncle. Like, this is the best thing ever. And I just burst into tears. And I was just like, oh, my God, like, what if all this? And I had all these, like, terrible scenarios. And he was like, oh, God, like, you need to not think about that. Uh, And he just didn't know what to say. But, you know, it was just just this rush. Like, you just, yeah. And 
And then all the other, all the other things that you're not prepped for either. Like I didn't know how long my milk would take to come in. I didn't know about baby blue, like properly know about it. Um, and then you're also thinking logistics. So like that week that I was in hospital, you know, I'm on the phone to my mom, like, could she get here? Was it feasible for her? Like she was planning to come over once the baby was born. Was it feasible for her to change her flights? And then even like stupid things. I was like, but you have to go and change the sheets on the bed. Like, you know, we have to get the yeah, room ready yeah. for my mom. Like, you know, and there's no food in the fridge. And I hadn't done the grocery shop. And like all these really ridiculous, totally inane things. But that's what's going through your head. Like you're, mm. you know, I remember at one point I said to Shane, like, you have to go and do all this stuff. And he's like, it's going to be fine. Like your mom doesn't care. Like it's okay. Yeah. So I guess it was just, just a whirlwind um, of, of everything. <laughs> um so considering, uh, yeah, everything you went through, when did you feel was the right time to add to your family or was there a big conversation there before you made that decision? I suppose like for both of us, we never wanted only one child. Um, mm. And that was a discussion we'd had, you know, a long time before. We'd, we'd never just wanted one. Um, but I was very nervous thinking about number two. Yeah. But I, but I also didn't want too big of a gap. You know, myself and my siblings were quite close in age and same with Shane and his. You know, I didn't want to wait, you know, whatever, four, five, six years. I really just thought if we're in it, you know, we have to sort of just keep going. Um, so I did loads of reading. And I mean, like, oh, God, I think I read everything on preeclampsia um, and got stuck into everything. And the general consensus seemed to be that, there was a chance that it could be much, much worse than the first time. Um, but, you know, under the guidance of, you know, of someone who knew what they were doing, potentially um, going on aspirin as well seemed to be the, the general consensus of the right thing to do. Um, you could hopefully mitigate the risk of it happening as badly again. So we talked about, but I think we also just were like, look, we have to, we want to try again, you know, so um so we did, and yeah, I, I suppose still, it's, you know, still fell pregnant quite quite quickly, and um, the second time, but I I found well, I, I I realized much sooner. So sort of like four or five weeks, I knew I was pregnant, um, and we decided to go private on the second baby, which like it's not something that I would ever have considered before, um, and I don't even think like. I really don't think you should have to go private, but it just made me feel safer, I think. Um, just seeing the same person and the same face and I just wanted that that reassurance. Um, so, yeah, so we felt pregnant. Um, I got a recommendation of a doctor from my GP, um, someone that she'd been to college with. She's like, look, oh, go up and meet him, you know, see what you think. Um, he might be the right the right doctor for you and I met him when I was seven weeks pregnant and he was just brilliant he's like this is the plan um we're going to put you on they call it baby aspirin um to try and you know mitigate the preeclampsia but look if it happens again you know you're in the right place you know what to expect now um and we're going to monitor you a lot lot more and I was kind of like okay like this is this is okay um and everything was fine until 20 I think it was 22 weeks so I'd already done one um gestational diabetes test and passed then about 21 22 weeks I started to wake up in the night and like really had to go to the bathroom and my throat was sore I was snoring I was just really uncomfortable and he's like look I'm gonna send you for another one I'm gonna I just I just want to check that gestational diabetes isn't there and it was which was just fantastic um, so yeah, my blood pressure was still fine, but I had gestational diabetes from about, I think it was 22 weeks. Um, and then I was in to see him basically every, I think it was every fortnight until I was 30 weeks. And then every week after that, um, which like I needed that. I think I was just so okay. worried that I would walk in one day and he'd say today's go day, you know, yeah. um, no, he didn't. That didn't happen in the end. But I, I, I had that. You were waiting for it, right? Yeah. I, I, I was like, I. He was like, look, if we get to 34, 35 weeks, you know, you're going to feel great, and that's that's much better than thirty. I was like, yeah, thirty-five weeks, that'll be great. That's 
basically full term in my head, you know. Um, my sister was coming down from Scotland. She was going to book her flights for like 35, 36 weeks with the assumption that the baby would be born. Um, and then it just kind of clicked on and 30, I was still feeling good at 30 weeks. Um, we, I, I was teaching from home, obviously, during COVID. Um, and then he signed me off at 30 weeks just I was getting really uncomfortable sitting all day and um, I was quite nervous as well. I think like it was, mm. you know, I was really, yeah, I was nervous and, and worried, even though I actually felt fairly okay. Um, and sorry, what was the plan? Were you yeah. going to have another C-section? Yeah, so it's sort of, I, I sort of had it in my head that I didn't want to have another section. Um, and the doctor like he was really supportive of that he's like yeah like absolutely if we get you that far he's like but you need mm. to be really prepared that we're not probably going to get that far and so once we had that conversation at about like early on you know 15 16 weeks I was like okay you know what maybe I'm okay with the planned section like that's a very mm. different experience um so I went back in the following week and I was like no actually like let's do a section I'm, I'm okay like this is you know it's my choice. It's it's a mm-hmm. much easier and, and a very different experience. Um, you know, let's let's book it in. Like let's let's do it. So I had it booked for thirty eight weeks. Um, the day of thirty eight weeks, which was just because we had assumed that my blood pressure would go up at the end. I felt really comfortable with that. You know, everyone else did as well. Like all the doctors and everything did as well. And I was like, yeah, thirty eight's great. Like it's you know. To me, the baby's like well cooked by that stage, you know, compared to Alex. Mm. Um, and then my gestational diabetes was just, oh, it was really hard to control at the end. So I was on insulin um, twice a day by the end, which was really frustrating. Um, and then, so yeah, up until then, everything was kind of okay. Like the diabetes kind of threw a spanner in the way, but it was still like, you know, it happens to loads of women. I knew that, you know, it was okay. And then it was a Sunday and July 4th and I just had this really bad headache and I knew it was a blood pressure headache. Like I just, I knew I had a blood pressure monitor at home, which I'd been using kind of once a week just to keep an eye on it. And it was like sky high, um, which, you know, it was a home one and I was worried. So I was like, look, maybe it's just a fake, it's a false reading. Um, and I texted my doctor and he rang me like half an hour later. He's like, look, you have to go up to the coom. He's like, let's go, you know grab your stuff, be prepared that if it's really bad, you know, this baby's fine. Like you're 37 weeks. This is a-okay. And I was like, okay. And then as he was hanging up, he's like, I am prepared to deliver this baby today if we need to. And that's when I was like, oh my God, like I'm going up to have a baby now. This is, Mm. this is happening. Um, So that was probably midday I'd say. So like we took our time. Like I knew it wasn't pressing, pressing, um, so like I packed my bag, I had a shower, I washed my hair, you know, like did all the the stuff I didn't get to do last time. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. And then um, so th- I suppose the added complication now is like we have Alex. So, you know, we had sort of planned for the following week when I had a scheduled section for um his grandparents to come up. They live in Tuferary. And I suppose we don't have a lot of other like support around. Um, so they happened to be away the weekend, um, like the week before. And so we rang Shane's sister and she was brilliant. Like she came up from, from tip, but I mean, it's still, you know, not that close. Um, so, and this is the middle of COVID as well. So that's the other added, you know, complication. So Shane drove me up to the coomb with Alex in his pajamas, you know, sort of half asleep in the back seat. This was probably like, probably like six o'clock. And it's actually really funny. He went through a red light, like near the coom, and there was an undercover police car behind us. So the sirens go on, and they're like chasing us down the road. And I was like, "Oh my no. god, this is like you couldn't <laughs> you couldn't write this, you know?" Um, and they pulled us over, and he's like, "Oh, my wife's having a baby, you know." And they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 jump in, like follow us, don't worry." And so they <laughs> escorted us to the coom. It was hilarious. Um. Yeah, so he dropped Alex would have loved that actually in the back. He loved it. Yeah, it was the best thing ever. Um, so he dropped me off and then like ducked back home to Nace to to meet his sister and drop Alex off and put him to bed and you know get him get him sort of sorted. Um, so that was yeah six maybe six thirty say in the, in the evening, 
and like I you know I went in and they take blood you know do all the rest like you can't have a partner in like at that point anyway um and then I could see like my blood pressure monitor was there and it was still kind of creeping up you know the headache was there like I knew things weren't fab um and then my doctor showed up and he's like let's just let's deliver this baby you know and he was just so so calm and relaxed and I was like yeah okay like let's let's do this you know and he's like look we can keep you here for a week if that's what you really want you know we can put you on medication we can probably control like you know if that's what you really really want he's like but the baby is fine the baby's a good size you know honestly everything looks fine um he said I don't even think that the baby will have to go to ICU or anything like that which I had very much been prepared for that like I yeah like to, to get to this point I was like this is amazing um so yeah we kind of made that decision and that was that you know we, we were having a baby and so it was quite late on the Sunday but that kind of you know when everything gets organized and gets sorted and then Shane came back up but he wasn't allowed in because of COVID and oh anyway um then eventually we went down to the theater and so the only the only other thing that happened is they couldn't get the spinal in which was really uh not a nice experience um they just I don't know it just yeah it wasn't working so they had to call in um and like the head anesthetist came in and he's like look I'm going to give it one go but if it doesn't work we're going to put you under and I was like no I really I really don't want that like I really I want to experience something happier than last time you know yeah. um I really I don't want to not be there for this, which is, you know, comparatively a very good birth. And I knew, I knew it would be, um, but luckily he got it in first go. So that was that. And then um, Zoe was born and we had a little girl and she, yeah, she was perfect. And yeah, that, and like, that was it. So, you know, um, all went really, really smoothly like at that they point they put her up so on was, your chest or anything because obviously the yeah, last time yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. last time I didn't even I think I was in shock the doctor like Mark said to me at one point he's like Kathleen are you okay like you you look really like surprised and I was like I just I, I just don't know what I meant to feel like that you know mm-hmm. I didn't get this last time um yeah so I got to like I hold I held her and then and then Shane took her and sat in recovery while like I was you know being stitched up and everything and then yeah just, like it was it was just bizarre. Like it just felt so, well, nor- it's what you're supposed to feel, I'm sure. But, um, you know, even though I was already a mom, I, I hadn't felt it. Um, yeah, it was, it was like it was lovely. And then, then you just get parted off and you put in a room with a newborn baby. And I was like, guys, I don't know what to do. Like I haven't done this. Like, this is not, you know, yeah, I have no yeah, idea what's, yeah. what's meant to happen. Um, and... Yeah, it was really, it was really like not tricky, I suppose. Like you do know what to do, but yeah, I just sort of there were still things that I didn't know. I didn't know how long it would take for milk to come in, the baby blues kind of thing. But yeah, I'd had it with Alex, but it was different. Like it was all mm. mixed up with with fear and with you know all sorts of other emotions. Whereas this was just so different. Like everything was so happy. Like it was just so lovely. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it was all fine. So we stayed in for three four days and then they just let us go home I was like wow like this is great like this is brilliant and together yeah together together yeah so we sort of got that like walking out together thing which was really nice um yeah it was it was lovely so yeah we had a few like a few little feeding issues um in the coom but I'd, I'd, I'd had so many issues with Alex like I sort of knew what to do and I knew what to expect I think as well um, and I think you're a bit braver the second time. Like, you know what to mm. say. You know, you can say, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to try this or, I'm, or whatever it might be. Um, and I was like, I I wanted to breastfeed, but I'd had low supply with Alex. I actually ended up taking medication with Alex like because I had such a low supply that this time I was like, look, if it doesn't work, I'm happy to to combo feed, if I, you know, if that's what we need to do. Um, and then everything was fine. It was just great. And um, I got, yeah, I got home and same public health nurse came out again and she was like, you know, this is just amazing. Like it's just such a lovely 
follow up as well to see like she helped so much with Alex and she's like I don't even really need to come back this time I was like I know this is just <laughs> bizarre and yeah it's like I got a lactation consultant now almost straight away um like nursing mama who lives near us and she was just amazing yes, and yeah. oh she's just the best she um, was my PHN actually oh was she oh she's just yeah, oh, yeah. she's brilliant um yeah so Katie came out and oh she's just she's just lovely I had it like yeah, a tricky time in hospital with with the lactation consultant because I like I'd had gestational diabetes, so they had assumed that Zoe would, and they wanted to give formula, and I didn't want that to happen. So there was a you know a bit of back and forth, and yeah, Katie was just brilliant. Like she just was like you know, but you're home now, you have your baby. Um, she had a tongue tie as well, so we got that done, but like really early, like you know two weeks mm. or something, and then we've been flying ever since, and she is just. It's so different. I can't even, like, it's just a whole different experience. Um, and, and not that she's been the easiest baby necessarily. Like, still, I still think, I think all babies are hard, to be honest. Um, yeah. But it's just everything has been, I suppose, as it should be. Um, yes, yeah, so she's ten, she was 10 months last week. Um, she's flying around. Like, she's almost walking. She's just all go. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a whole different, a whole different experience, I guess. Was it a heat? Was it the, a healing birth? Yeah, I think so. Like even, it still wasn't, I suppose, what I necessarily wanted per se, or, or what I, like prior to giving birth, what I thought my birth would be like, births would be like. Yeah. But I think just even just being able to come home with your baby when you haven't done that before. And that's something so many people take for granted, like, it, 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 you know, and for everything else that could and, and does go wrong, I think just being able to come home with your baby is just the most amazing thing, you know. And so, yeah, I th- like it was it was difficult, but it was it's meant to be difficult. You know, that's OK. And it was much, much smoother um, and lovely. Yeah. So it's it's been really nice. Um yeah, really, really, really good. So yeah, I think I think it was healing in a way. It's um, we have found it really hard going from one to two. Um, That's yeah, why I'm I, stopping. I, I, no, I was I was reading your post the other day, and I was like, yeah, whew, you know, but it's really hard. Like it's just it's just, it's tough. Yeah. Um. So I think, and I think I had all these like grand plans, you know, that I'd. I'd get all this help and I would hire the, someone to do this and to do that. And I'd, I'd have a doula and I'd get someone to come in and cook. And I, I didn't organize any of those things. I was like, yeah, I'll definitely do all that stuff. Did none of it. And then wondered why it was hard. Um, but yeah, it, like it's been really hard and really amazing, you know, all at once. And, and I suppose yeah. that's like, that's motherhood, but um, yeah. So um, I suppose like that's kind of where we're at, you know, thank you so much that was lovely yeah. <laughs> um and yeah there's loads of parts of the story uh, especially your experience with Alex that yeah. people can relate to loads of I think pockets of your story that, it, that you really dove into that would be interesting yeah, for other people to hear there's probably loads like and I think um like the preeclampsia thing you, you just don't expect it to happen. Like, nobody expects that to happen. Like, it doesn't matter, like, what risk factors you have or anything. You just don't expect it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can reach out over on the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, which I have linked in the show notes. Click on the Share Your Story tab and fill out a few details. I'll get back to you as soon as I can with a recording date and a few details on how the podcast itself is recorded I hope you all have a really really nice week I have a couple of interviews this week so there is a possibility of a bonus episode depending on how the children sleep this week it was brutal week last week anyway chat to you all soon catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.